Okay, take your seats. God bless you all. Okay, very briefly, how to fight different kinds of barrenness. We shall escape barrenness in the ministry. I was giving you the different kinds of barrenness that you can see and identify so that you would know what to fight and how to fight it. I, gave you, I was giving different numbers. I gave you, if there's no growth in the number of your church, attend, or church members, if there are no converts, if there are no growth in number of converts, so these, these are things that you have to pay attention to. Converts, number of converts in the church. If there's no growth in church attendance, I have to count church attendance every Sunday. Head count, not estimate. Don't estimate with your eyes. Head count. Because when you count one, two, three, four, five, you will see that 15 easily looks like 50. <laughs> yes. So head count. That is it. Count my church members every every Sunday. We count one, two, three, four, five. Even the even people here, I can tell you how many people were here yesterday, morning session, afternoon session, whatever session. I can tell you the exact number. Because when you look at it with your eyes, especially when you when you see pictures, you'll be very encouraged. <laughs> yeah. So you count, count, head count, actual head count, new converts, actual head count, no estimates, no estimates. Estimates are very encouraging. Counting is very discouraging. Yes. When you head count, you'll be depressed. I'm an expert at counting. Yes. When I enter your church, by the time I, feel, I can't walk out, I'll tell you how many people were in the service. <laughs> yes. I'm expert at counting. I count all the time. When I enter a room, wedding, whatever, I count all the time. You think I'm saying, groom, you may salute your bride. I'm counting. <laughs> yes. Because people, people can, can say fantastic things. Yes. When you head count, you'll be depressed. When you estimate, you'll be very encouraged. You'll be very, very happy. You say, oh, there were 5,000 people here. But meanwhile, there are 200 chairs. <laughs> yes, I count. I ask, I ask. You can, you can ask my pastors, ask them, how many chairs were arranged? Don't tell me how many people came. How many chairs were arranged in the hall? Before you give me numbers, how many chairs were there? Before you give me numbers that are more than, it's as though you counted people's shadows. <laughs> yes. So the numbers will help you to know whether the church is rising, the church is decreasing. They'll help you to know, to know what to do, which gears to shift. Okay? So no growth, no, the, the number, of, number of people baptized that will tell you, if it's zero, you should tell that you're not interested in baptisms. 
He's preaching all the time, but he stopped doing water baptism. He stopped doing Holy Ghost baptism. Hmm. Sunday coming, we are having Salvation Sunday. Yes. Relax. I told you, you have to pretend like you're not here. Yes. That is Salvation Sunday. Souls will be saved, and then there will be Holy Ghost baptism. Because the number of people who speak in tanks in the church is very important. Because it's growing, you lose sight of because you have a sea of unbelievers or a sea of people who don't have the Holy Spirit. So I was how many of you here speak in tanks? I ask all the, do you speak in tanks? Do you not speak in tanks? Because I speak in tanks. Don't you speak in tanks? Yes. So your members must also speak in tanks. You must active, you must get them to actively speak in tanks. Pray for them to speak in tanks. Lay hold on them, lay hands on them to speak in tanks. Teach them about speaking in tanks. So you have spirit filled church members. Spirit filled. Spirit filled church members. Wow. Then the number of growth in the number of leaders in the church. Are the leaders increasing? We call leaders like shepherds. How many shepherds do you have? How many shepherds are there? Number of outreaches. So now, how to fight the different kinds of barrenness. The first type of barrenness is the barrenness of old age. Barrenness of old age. So how to fight the barrenness of old age. That is, it's like old age is the cause of the barrenness. So the treatment for it. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 30. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, swore to bear him no children. And she had and handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. Hmm. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. What did you expect? 
So, <laughs> so number one treatment. You see, what, what Sarah was saying, what Sarah was saying by that suggestion is that I can't do it. Let somebody else do it. At this age, at this age, you can't expect, you can't expect me to do certain things. You can't, you can't, it's not that you're going to tell me about church planting at this age. At this age. I'm, I'm, I'm 54. I'm 59. I'll be 60 next year. You, can, you can't tell me to go, you can't tell me to go on outreach at this age. That's what Sarah was saying. So she's saying that, so go, take this younger people, this small, small boy, the youth. Youth. This is your ambitious ventures of planting more churches and things. Use the young people. We, we, we are tired. We are tired. We can't do something. That's what, that's what Sarah is saying here. That go to Hagar. Not me. Me, no. I, I'm not into such things. So in the treatment of uh, barrenness as a result of old age, number one, do not transfer the duty of outreach and church planting to anyone else. You see, somebody said something once. I believe it must have been Bishop Oyedepo. He said, what works in your church is what you are doing. Yes. What is working in the church is what you are doing. In other words, in other words, anything that you want to work in the church, lead it. You want outreach to work? Be seen. Be seen as the one leading the group to do outreach. Don't sit somewhere as a chief executive and tell some people that they should go on outreach. Don't sit at home and tell some people they should go for all night. Don't announce fasting and prayer and say that you, you are tired. You see, it will be better. It will be better for you not to announce it at all than to say others should do it whilst you are not doing it. Because handing over to some other people doesn't solve your barren state. You are still barren. So the main thing that works in every church is the thing that the senior pastor, head pastor, lead pastor is actively involved in. That's the thing that works. That's the thing that works. That's the thing that works. If you're involved in the choir, you see the choir is working. You're involved in outreach, you see outreach will work. You're involved in all night, you see, all night suddenly comes alive in the church. You're involved in fasting time, you see, fasting suddenly comes alive in the church. As soon as you hand over to somebody else, you say, it looks different. It's being done, but it's different. So, do not, do not transfer your duty. Number two, do not reject the prophetic word. Genesis 18, 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. 
I'm sure if Abraham was there, she was, she was, he would have said, talk about yourself. Talk about yourself. Don't add me to your problems. If you like, give me Hagar. I'll show you that I'm okay. <laughs> yes. But when she received the prophecy that she can be fruitful, she laughed. She rejected it. It's like, not me. Not me. Not me. Many years ago, I remember I was preaching in the church. And I said, your Saturday is coming. And the newer girls were receiving, believing, receiving, accepting. And I remember an older girl was sitting there. I heard it with my ears. It wasn't reported. Because reported, I was standing right there. And she said, these things, we've heard it all. We've heard it all. Yes. Let my story end at this point. Yes. She rejected the prophetic word. I heard her say it. So this thing. This thing. Every day, your Saturday, your Saturday, your Saturday. Even Friday, Christ, I think. Yes. The one you are old and experienced and you feel you've seen everything. Perhaps what you haven't experienced is the prophecy. So when the prophecy comes, rather receives, receive the prophecy. Accept the prophecy. Do not reject the prophetic word. Because that is where direction comes. That's what, and you have to be sensitive and fast enough to spot a prophetic word. Because that one, it's God. It's God who is going to do it. It's God who is saying that despite everything, I will do it. God, do you think God didn't know the age of Sarah or the age of Abraham and what it means? God knew all this, but he said, it will be done. You have a child. And she laughed. She laughed. When Jeremiah and Co are saying, ah, Lord God, is there anything that is difficult for you? It's like, we know you. God, you can do it. Others are laughing at God and his prophetic words. So do not reject the prophetic word when you have been around for a while. When you have been in London for a while. When you have been trying to grow your church and get your church established for a while. Don't laugh at prophetic words. Don't say we've seen it all. We've heard this. We've heard this. We've heard these things before. The Bible says the word preached did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. Your concussion is dry. That is why you haven't seen certain things. But you shall see great things. Mm. Number three, believe in God, his prophets, and in the preaching of his word, and in the preaching of his word. Genesis 17 and verse 15 and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. Walk in your calling and overcome the greatest enemies of faith. Don't, don't, walk, don't walk in fear. If you are called pastor, walk in your calling as a pastor. 
If you are called prophet, walk in the calling as a prophet. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe the word. Believe it. No matter how old you are, believe it. Believe that it will work. Don't say I've tried it for 10 years. It will work. And when it starts working, you'll be very surprised. You'll be so surprised that, wow, see how it's working. Look how it's working. Number four, take practical steps that lead to fruitfulness, even if it looks like something for younger people. Genesis 21, verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. I mean, for Sarah to have conceived, it means that she took practical steps to do the things that everybody does to conceive. Yes. IVF has not been invented then. So there was no other way than the thing. So decide to be youthful. Decide to be zealous, exciting, energetic. Bring your emotions to bear, to play in the work that you are doing. Don't be dull and bland. Show feelings. When you are happy, be happy. When you are angry, be angry. Yes. When young people are doing things exciting to watch, youthfulness is beautiful. Yes. Youthfulness is beautiful. Youthfulness is pure. The innocence of a young person is a very attractive thing. They believe everything. They believe everything. When people are, are not young anymore, you see, when you see, when people, when you are with people who are young and they start growing up, it's actually marks of, I have grown up. You can also see that, ah, this person is growing up now. Questions have started. Slowing down has started. Be careful has started. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Watch out. You know, when we do this, what if this, what if that? Ah, then the prophetic word and the message preached is being quenched. And being practical, taking practical steps to fulfill things is being cancelled out, out of the ministry. People haven't done things because they don't, they don't believe in it anymore. They believe in the why nots. Sorry, they believe, they believe in the it will not work more. Instead of saying, why not? Let's do it. They believe more in what if. What if it doesn't work? What if this problem comes? What if this issue comes up? Instead of saying, why not? Why not? Why not? It's like they, can't, they can't even dream or think about it. Sometimes where you are as a minister, we just need to bring somebody else there. And you see that it works. Yes. The problem is actually you or whoever is there. Like the person has stopped believing. The person has slowed down. The person is tired. 
The person feels I've tried, I've tried enough. But let's bring somebody who believes. Suddenly, you see, things are different. I've made changes before. Changes. Changes that it didn't take, it didn't take up to seven days. Within a week, there was a difference. Instant. Instant. And I said to myself, oh, so it's real. It's real. It's the person. The person was not receiving the instructions, not obedient, not flowing. Within a week, the results were different. Yeah. No story. No excuses. No, be patient. Relax. Take your time. Take your time. You know, take your time. It will work. One day, one day it will work. By and by. In the sweet by and by, it will work. No. It worked. It will work for you too. So take practical steps. Practical steps. Practical. Now, the next, the next type of barrenness or cause of barrenness is familiarity. This one is the greatest block to the anointing. Greatest. This is the type that Michal suffered from. If you remember Michal in 2 Samuel 6 and verse 20. He's the one who, who, told, who told King David off. Seven things everyone should know about familiarity. Number one, familiarity means to know someone or something very well and in such a way as to cause you to lose your admiration, respect, and sense of all. Familiarity means to know someone or something very well and in such a way as to cause you to lose your admiration your respect and your sense of awe. This, this, this is a condition where people become presumptuous. That we know, we know, we know what you say. We know what you say. We know, we know what you say. We know what you say. We know what it's going to be like. We know what's going on. We know how it's going to be. Is that relax? Don't no rush. No rush. It will work anyway. It will be okay. We'll do it. Is that we know you. We know our man. You know our man. You know our man. When, when people become familiar, they don't, even, they don't respond with eagerness and interest and alertness. One sign of leadership, it's, it's, it's in the art of leadership, it, it says that, uh, well, let me say what it says so that I don't, I don't say something that is not saying. Because it talks about familiarity. Where is it? <laughs> Careful now. Familiarity. Wow. found it. AOL 95. It says that familiarity is a leadership emergency. D 
deal with it urgently. Every leader should know that when people are becoming familiar, it's not something to be tolerated. Yes. Like, like, like a doctor won't encourage you to live with a cancer like he'll tell you that, like your eyesight, he'll just give you, he'll give you something to, just go and have eye test. And then the, it's, it will be like three weeks time. No. It's an emergency. You react. You, you react to familiarity immediately. You come for a meeting, they won't come. Ah! It's fault. They've, cro- they've crossed the Rubicon. Yes. They've crossed the Rubicon. They've crossed the battle lines. The trumpet has been sounded. The battle, the battle has begun. Yes. And you shouldn't hold back. You shouldn't hold back. You shouldn't be diplomatic about it because they have crossed it. You call, they don't come. You call, they tell you we can't come. And they go where they want, when they want, however often they want. And your meeting, they say, we, we can't come. Ah, a line has been crossed. It's an all-out battle now. Eye for an eye. Boot for boot. Yes. It's an emergency. If you, if you, joke, if you joke with it, you're a leader, you joke with familiarity. Because see, why would you call your people to say they won't come? Because they know what you are going to say. That's what they are telling you. We know what you are going to say. We don't need to come to come and hear you. We know what you will say anyway. We are trying. Don't worry us. We are trying to do what you are going to tell us anyway. We don't have to come and sit down for us to say we know it already. That's familiarity. Yes. The battle lines have been drawn. They've crossed into a territory they shouldn't cross into. If you leave it, that's, that's where decay begins. Decay. The thing is decaying, is deteriorating. It's getting rotten. Yeah. That's where disloyal elements are bred. Familiarity. It's a leadership emergency. Watch responses of people. And you see, sit down. I don't know why you're standing. Yes. Is the presumptuousness. Familiarity. It doesn't come. It doesn't come early. But with time, as people have been around, who have been around, you see, hmm, see, attitudes are different. Speed is missing. Interest is going. Excitement is going. Rather, rather people sound as though they are entitled. And they also have a right. It's like we also have a right. We've also, we've also been offended. We're also not happy. Hmm. You remember Cora? Yes. Call for me. They said we won't come. Tell him we won't come. Tell him we are not going to come. That's familiarity. It's like we know you. We know you. Are you not Moses? We know you. Who are you? We know what you say. Every day you are saying, God said we should leave Egypt. Every day, God we should leave Egypt. We are going to some promised land. We are going somewhere. That's the message you've been preaching. Oh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. The things you are saying, when it happens, we'll see it. We'll see it. 
Our children have 11 plus to write. Don't worry us. You are training our children for 11 plus. Don't worry us with these church, church things. Familiarity. It's a leadership emergency. Deal with it urgently. Even if it means you have to sack, sack. Yes. Because it means I can't work with you again. I can't work with you. I can't work with you. That's what it means. I can't work with you. So you have to go. Mm. Number two, familiarity was the cause of Michal's barrenness. Three, familiarity is still the cause of spiritual barrenness in Christians today. Watch all familiar people. They, they, have, they have nothing to their names. Four, familiarity is the greatest block to receiving God's power from God's men. Five, no matter how great the gift of God is, it is neutralized by familiarity. Yes. Jesus was the greatest healer, greatest teacher, yet his anointing was neutralized in the presence of familiar people, according to Mark chapter 6. Have you seen any anointing greater than the anointing on Jesus? Yet he could there do no miracles. Because the people said, we, we know him. We know his brother. We know, I, I didn't know that if you know somebody's brother, it means he can't be anointed. <laughs> yes. So we, we know his brother. We know his sisters. Is his mother not here with us? It's like, it's like we know them. As his sisters don't around, we know them. One Sunday morning, I finished preaching. You know, as usual, people are coming around, we're blessed. Pray for me. And your pastors, we feel good. We feel happy. When they say, oh, they were blessed today, the message was good. So I say, I was happily collecting the, the sayings. Then this lady comes. Lady comes, stretches out her hand. As I took her hand, then she mentions a name. A name. That nobody calls me by that name. In the whole of the United Kingdom. The last time I heard that name was coming out of the mouth of my mother. She mentioned the name. And I froze. Because <laughs> I was wondering, who, who, who is this? And wh why are you using this name? And she asked me, don't you remember me? I said, I don't. I don't remember you. Then she mentioned another name. <laughs> another name in the area where I grew up in Africa, West Africa Ghana, Accra Mamprobi yes <laughs> she mentioned that person. they said do you remember them do you remember this family I said yes I said yes then she said I am the sister of your friend in the house. So I'm your friend's sister. I said, Oh, you were a little girl there. I said, Yes, I've grown up. I said, you, I've just finished preaching. Why don't you relate with me at this unction level? Why are you bringing me? He said, you know, you know my friend, and I am your, fr your friend's sister. When I've just finished preaching powerfully. You've come to deflate me. 
Everybody is saying Rev. You, you have come with a name. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like she was she was eager to prove to me that I know you. I know I it's like I know you. We were all we were all in Manprobi together. We were all around. I, I remember you coming to the house with my brother, moving here, going here. I remember I remember when you were doing A levels. I remember when you went to university first year, second year. I remember you. I remember you. I even know they, they said, how, how are your sisters? I've just finished preaching a message. Oh, she won't ask anything about the message. How are my sisters? I said, they are there. They are there. They are there. Next, next person who has been blessed. Next person. next person who has been blessed. I need to hear about blessings. Not how are my sisters. Yes. I didn't know that when you know somebody's sisters, it means it's not called. So familiarity. Wow. It's an emergency, I'm telling you. Four groups that often suffer from familiarity. One, colleagues. Two, relatives. Yes. It, it, it's very difficult for your schoolmate to come and sit in your church for you to preach. That your classmate is sitting there when, when he says receive, then he says, I receive it. No. Why is it receive? He'll be wondering that I was, this, I was better than you in maths. <laughs> I remember you struggling. Yes. Or, or even your work colleagues. To bring your work colleagues where you are preaching. When you go back to work on Monday, you are dead. <laughs> yeah. Two. Relatives. Relative will tell you that I know him. He's my cousin. <laughs> He's my nephew. <laughs> I carried him when he was a baby. But every baby is carried. <laughs> Three. Pastor's wives. Forgive. But it's true. It's true, pastor's wives. It's not from familiarity. Everybody will be impressed, but they are not impressed. They are still, as you are, as you are there preaching, they are still thinking about something you didn't do. There's a book for pastor's wives. Sit down, sit down so I can talk about the book properly. Sit down. (laughs) The beauty, the beast, and the pastor. 
Onale beautiful. But the fireworks in the house. The fireworks. This one is not, it's not for a normal Christian. A normal Christian, you shouldn't read it. It's for pastors and then pastors' wives. It, it speaks to you straight and directly. The beauty, the beast, and the pastor. I had a camp with this book. The next time I called the same group for a, a camp, they said they won't come. They said they won't come. I'm sure you'll be hearing me say that when they say they won't come, they have crossed the line. Yes, it was this book. This book was a course. They said they won't come. They said they won't come. So I said, tell them I don't want to see them again. And they were also happy. Yes. I had a camp with them. I made the banner. The beauty. The beast. And I made a, a t-shirt for them. And I wrote on the t-shirt, the beauty, the beast, and the pastor. And they said they were blessed. So they follow you. I said, come again. This time it will be a different book. I think I, I, had, a diff- I had church growth. For that camp. They said they won't come. They said they won't come. They haven't recovered from it. So next year I'll try again. I'll try next year. Don't tell them I told you. But when they come next year, first session will be the theme. Second session, I'll say part two. The beauty, the beast, and the pastor. I haven't finished. I haven't finished my battle. I have long patience. I'll wait for them. Next year. Next year I'll call for them again. Tell them. I said next year I'll call for them. Yes, next year I'll call for them. After Easter. They should keep their diaries free. After Easter I'm calling them again. Because this year they told me we won't come. He said, go and tell, he said, go and tell Moses, we won't come. We won't come. We are not coming. Small familiarity entered into them, but it has been cast out in the name of Jesus. So next year, I'm going to make a banner with a different book. But I write under the banner, the beauty, the beast. Part two. Yes, part two. Yes. Sit down. Yes. So, pastors' wives suffer from familiarity. Yes. You see, when you are close to someone, you have to be careful. When you are close to an important person, you just have to be careful. You just have to, because an important person is still human. You just have to be careful not to develop 17 eyes and feel you know everything. You see, the pastor's wife sees more, hears more, even smells more. Hey. 
She knows what he likes. How he likes it. How often he likes it. Everybody sees him. Man of God. Man of God. <laughs> but for her. Hey. When he starts moving, then he, she'll say, Hey, brother. Brother. You just finished preaching. Oh. One day, I had a guest preacher. He came with his wife. Preach powerfully. These kind of preachings that we are all left on the floor. Powerful ministrations and manifestations. Then he went. Then he came for day two. When he came, as he was preaching, he said, hey, yesterday, after the service, <laughs> when he got back to the uh, hotel room, he said, I stretched my hand, and then my wife said, look at you. The people should come and see you. The people should come and see what you are doing here. And he said, I told her, shh, tell it not in Ashkelon. And Papa said, this one is a tell it not. Shush. And receive your own here quietly. <laughs> this one is a tell it not. She said, look, look at you. The people should come and see you. The people that you were slapping their heads and they are dropping. You slap the drop, you slap the drop, you slap the drop. They should come and see you. Look at what you are doing. Man of God. Man of God. Hey, my man of God. <laughs> he is never tired. <laughs> he has preached for six hours, but when they get to that one, there's energy. Yes. Man of God. Man of God. <laughs> so he, all these things it builds up if you realize she can't receive again she's just talking anyhow like Mikhail was just talking anyhow then she starts saying nobody can tell you what I'm telling you I'm the only one who can tell you that you take him, you take him on in secret you take him on in secret I'll tell you something sit down so I can tell you something I'll tell you something Never, never suffer in secret. Yes. Never allow yourself to be punished by your wife and supervised by your wife and maltreated by your wife secretly and come to church and be smiling and be saying, you know, my beautiful wife, we've been married for 36 and a half years. Wonderful that never suffer in secret. In this book, demons and how to deal with them. <laughs> Listen. This book, demons and how to deal with them. There's a statement that struck me once. I was reading, you know, you know when you're reading, when you're reading, 
and the unction is strong the pages come alive yes the pages of the book comes alive you see you see, you see the pages walking in the room and they come back into the book and sit down i say yes it was me you every day i saw something he said demons flourish in darkness demons don't like light they don't like light they don't like to be exposed they don't like to be exposed as soon as you expose them they don't like it that's why a lot of husbands are afraid to expose their wives sometimes they themselves are suffering from self-righteousness and the perfect image like I must always look good so they don't want to say it. It's like, you know, my wife is somewhere. But you, she's somewhere in you. Whether you say it or not, she's somewhere. And you know, you are the one who is suffering. You are the one who is peppered. You are peppered. You understand peppered? Hot chilies. You can't even sleep. You can't, you can't even believe what has been said to you. You can't even believe how you've been lambasted and dressed down. Dressed up, down, left, right, and then right, left, and then down, up. Yes. And when you try talking, Jesus, everybody else praises you. I'm the only one who can say what I'm saying because you are the only witch. Yes. Because you are the only witch. That's why you are the only one. It's not, it's not because you are the only anointed one or, or there's any verse that gives you the authority to challenge your husband. Because you are the only witch. You are the only controlling power. And you are the only one who has that power over him. There's a certain power that you have over him. That when he sells himself to it, more than necessary, you start controlling him. Yes. That's what somebody said to the husband. He's like, go. You're the one who lose your anointing. She knows. And she knows you're a lover of anointing. She says she knows you love God. You like God. So she uses that power that she has to wrap you around her fingers. And you are suffering in darkness. So it's flourishing. It's flourishing. That's the way people hear of men of God divorced, they are shocked. Because though he's suffering, when he comes to public, he's taking pictures and selfies and praising her. Someone, someone he hasn't spoken to for two weeks. Sometimes months. Sometimes they are even separated. You don't even know. They are separated. Sleep in different bedrooms or even live in different homes. But you don't know. So when it breaks, you say, oh, how? How? This lovely woman this nice guy, oh, I'm sure. Then the gossip said, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he's done something. No, it is, it's him. It's always him. I'm sure. I'm sure. You don't know the suffering and the pressure. And it gets for someone gets to a breaking point. So now I've reached a breaking point. You don't know the power of accusation. When you are called things that you are not and have no plans of becoming. Yes. 
when you are called names and things, it's called accusation. They tried different, different ways to eliminate Christ. Nothing worked. Try stoning him, saying this, till they leveled accusation against him. That's what worked. Those who accuse you. Hmm. Yes. Anyway, we are talking about familiarity. And I'm showing you four different groups of people. And one of the groups brought me down here. Pastor's wives. Yes, pastor's wives. Pastor's wives. Yes, pastor's wives. You have to handle your wife well. So she's not deceived. She's not deluded. Keep her good. Keep her sweet. Keep her pleasant. Don't spoil her. Lead her well. Tell her the truth. Keep the facts clear. Never make her think you are equals. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. It is not biblical that we are equals. We are the same. It is not biblical. Yes. Are you not Christians? Yes. It is not biblical that we are the same. The fact that we are not the same doesn't mean that I don't love you. Why are you equating love to equality? Why? Why are you doing that? Don't be a spaghetti, a spaghetti pasta. Wobbly. You love her. That's why you chose her. You love her. You like her. You've married her. You are with her. She's still your number one. But you're not equals. You're not equal at home and you're not equal in church. And she has to know. She has to know that because she's your wife doesn't mean that when you are not around, she's the one in charge. Yes. Yes. Mm. And in your church, perhaps you have to stop using some terms. Like co-founder. You have to stop using some terms. Because you are ministering the wrong impression. Don't become like Abraham that took a lot along. Co-founder. Abraham was called alone. 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 He was married to Sarah. God knew he was married to Sarah. But what did he call the two of them? When he wanted Sarah to have a child, he spoke to her. But he took, well, any other thing, he didn't discuss it with Sarah. You have, to, you have to stop using that term. You have to stop. Maybe, maybe you have to stop it. But it's ministering the wrong spirit. You are empowering something you shouldn't empower. Read your Bible. Ladies and authority don't mix well. Yes, it doesn't mix well. They don't handle it well. Even ladies will tell you they don't like when their boss is a lady. They will prefer a guy. They will tell you. They will tell you. Sisters, am I speaking the truth or am I speaking the truth? Yes. They will tell you that, hey. They will tell you I prefer a guy any day. Any day. Any day. 
these are very wicked to each other. I mean, they can be. They can be. Not that they are, they can be. They can be very wicked and mean. Yes. You should see them when they take each other on. As though, as though they are not women. I saw someone handling someone who has in the time of the month she has pains she can't move and her fellow sister I said I said to this person I said look since I was born I've never had my period before and I will never have a period but you have I thought you'd be more understanding to this girl I thought you would be how wicked can you be? Well, what do you want her to do? What do you want her to do? Wickedness. Wicked. Even me that I've not had it before, I can understand. I say, hey, it must be painful. Oh. It must be painful. Mm, it must be. I mean, because the way you are, I've seen you normal. And then suddenly you're acting abnormal. It must be. That thing must hurt. So this is not how you are every Sunday. So this one must be serious. You couldn't come to church because of this. Oh, it must be serious. It must be serious. Because every Sunday you are in church, then you don't come for this one. And then your boss in church who is a lady says, she, she, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand. Put yourself together. Take some Panadol and come. Put yourself together. Hey! Anyway, we are talking about familiarity. Pastors' wives. Okay. So, pastors' wives should be careful in the house. Yes. You draw the line for yourself. Just uh, don't cross this line. Don't cross this line. Let me not cross it. Let me let me not meddle meddle in things that are higher than me. Yes, higher than. He's a man. You see him. He's hungry. He wants to have sex. He wants to eat. He has running tummy. He's sad. You see him sad. You see him crying. You see him depressed. You see him happy. You see, you see, you will see everything. Treat it as a privilege and not a weapon to use against it. Just a privilege. Yes. But I've seen all these things, but you know, maybe even pray about it that Lord help me. Lord help me Lord help me not to despise this person because he's still human and God is using him don't make yourself don't make yourself his personal Holy Ghost yes to start advising when you have not been invited to advise and sometimes tell her when I need your advice I'll ask you that's a nice way of saying shut up Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have the Holy Spirit and you must have a father. Yes, you must have a father that speaks to you. Your wife is not your father spiritually. Your wife is not your father. I have a father. My wife is not my father. She's my wife. 
Is she my father? She's not my father. Bishop Dag is my father. Bishop Dag is my father. You know, once I'm there, I'll talk. I'll talk to Bishop Dag. She's not the one I'll talk to. When I need her, I'll talk to her. I'll tell her. Sugar? Honey? Whatever name I call her. Don't call her sugar. Don't call her honey. I call her Linda. <laughs> yes. I say Linda. Linda, where are you? spiritual father. She's not my spiritual mentor. No. No. She has her road. Stay on this road. All other roads, no. If I invite you, you can come on. Yes. You don't like what I'm saying. I don't even know where people learn some things from. I think I know. I just don't want to say it. People who have learned things from some places, some continents, and the way they run their churches there. When they became weaker, when they became weaker, they started doing some things in their. I don't know whether it's in the scramble, scramble to stay like yeah entered into things and certain arrangements and certain things were being done. So people have also copied it. This is not co-founder. You call her a co-founder. She's not a co-founder. She's not a co-founder. Co-founder of what? What has she founded? Yes. But you see, my main point here to pastors is that don't suffer alone. Don't suffer, and don't suffer in private and in secrecy. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Because those powers are real and strong, and it can kill you, and it can kill your ministry. So don't take the lid off. Take the lid off. You see, all the demons around. All the demons that have been speaking to her and encourage you, do all run away. You will get your wife back. There's a verse here. I want you. I want you to see it. <laughs> my camp book. My camp book. I remember that chapter because it was the first chapter I read when I got the book. I just opened it at random. And then I saw, I, I even called Bishop and I said, I said, I've never heard this verse before since I was born. Yes. I'll show you the verse. I'll show you the verse. I said, I've, I've, never, I've never seen this verse before. I'll read it for you to tell me that you've seen it. Zechariah chapter 5. NIV. <laughs> Do you have an IV? Darling. 
darling, sweetie. My dear, you don't have an IV? What do you have? Do you have NLT? Nine IV. Ah, beautiful. Verse 5. <laughs> then the angel who was speaking to me came forward and said to me, Look up and see what, what this is that is appearing. Verse 6. I asked, what is it? He replied, it is a measuring basket. And he added, this is the iniquity of the people throughout the land. Verse 7. Then the cover of the lead or lead. Is it lead or lead? Lead. Lead? Not lead. Lead. How many of you say lead? How many of you say lead? Dun dun lead. Okay, lead. Then the cover of the lead lead <laughs> was raised. And there in the basket sat a woman. Verse 8. He said, This is wickedness. And he pushed them back into the basket and pushed the lead over, cover down, over its mouth. Have you seen this verse before? Since I was born, I've never seen it before. I called Bishop about this verse. I said, how did you find it? Yes. He said, hey. When they lifted the cover, in the basket there sat a woman and he shouted this is wickedness and covered and pushed her back down so that you don't even know what is fighting you in the ministry it's a woman it's a woman it's a woman you see why they didn't want to come back from my camp that's why they didn't want to come back sit down but next year I'll invite them. <laughs> I'll invite them. I've given them notice. We're in July. So I'm inviting them next year, April. Oh. If they like this, you didn't come. They will come, isn't it? Yes, I think they will come. I feel they will come. I have a good feeling about them now that they are coming. I have a good feeling. The feeling is good that they will come. But when they remember the verses that we read at the first, I, I think they were frightened. They said, No, we need a year's break. A year's break. The verses are scary. There's a woman in this basket. This is, isn't it not a surprise? You'd be surprised to see what is fighting you. And what is destroying your ministry? Why you can't pray? Why you can't fast? Why you can't concentrate on the ministry? The domestic battles are a lot. Yes. yes. The only orangu you can sack is your wife. So as much as we are laughing, don't underestimate the strength of what I'm describing. Unless you're a child or you're inexperienced. Yes, that's the only person. 
You don't sack your associate ministers. You sack it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, will be affected. It doesn't mean anything. One, two, back on my shoe. You just, you just talk like Abraham, Lord. Let's go as separate ways. We can't, let's separate. But your wife, you can't, you can't just wake up and say, let's separate. Yeah. And she knows. That's why she's sitting in a basket. Cool. So if you're a man, come and sack me. If you're a man, come and sack me. And the fourth group of people who are familiar. Let's give the pastor's wives a break. Ah, close friends and associates. Close friends and associates. Signs of familiarity, very quickly. Often sitting at the back. No, watch members as they move gradually and further and further away from you. They are affected by something. Yeah. They, are, they are distancing themselves from you. Two. Yawning. Whilst preaching is going on. Do you know what yawning means? I'm bored. I'm bored. Three. Sleeping during preaching. At church, we don't allow people to sleep. Whilst preaching is going on. It's not allowed. Especially the first three rows. No. No, 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 no. No, no, we'll, we'll move you immediately. Immediately, immediately, we'll say, please, please, go and, go and sit somewhere or stand somewhere. Yes. Yes. Preaching and you are sleeping. You've adjusted yourself and you are sleeping. <laughs> Came to officiate a wedding here once. Done everything, vows. The, the bride and the groom, their parents usually sit on this side. They were happy. Their children are getting married. Everything. Groom may kiss the bride. They're excited. Ooh, going to sign, dance with them, back, everything. Then they said, it's time to preach now. Now, now is the time for the word. So I came up for to preach. <laughs> then the bride's mother. She was sitting here on the second chair. <laughs> it wasn't you. It wasn't you. So she had she had come with this cloth. You know this African cloth. As soon as I said, it's preaching time. Number one, she changed the way she was sitting. She put her two legs together and slanted them this way. And then she opened the cloth. I was looking at her. She thought, she thought I was saying opening prayer, but I was looking at her. Then she adjusted herself like that, leaned back, and then threw the cloth over her. She was going to bed. And I said, Hey! Not now. 
Not now. You can't do that. No, 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 no. I'm about to preach. You can't sleep. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You can't do that. I've just seen you jumping around. You are coming to sleep on me. I said, hey, no, 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 no. So don't allow sleeping during preaching in your church. It's very discouraging. Sit down. It is familiarity. They think they know. Yes. And don't allow people to also continue your sentences for you or to say the end of a story that you are sharing. That's also another sign of familiarity. Whilst you are preaching, it's like, oh, we've read the book, so next one is this. No, 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 no. You, should, you have to turn to them. Because usually it's older pastors who do that. So we've been around, we know all the things. You have to turn to them and say, no, don't, don't, do not. Do not. Do not. If you know it, if you know it, you'd have had the fruit. That's the only evidence of knowledge. If you know it, if you know it, it's not by preempting and saying things and shouting things out, shouting stories out. Or when the story starts, then you start laughing. It's like, I know where you're going. No, 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 no. If you knew it, if you knew what is being said, you would have had the fruits. Yes. Yes. But you don't have anything to show with what you know. So you're like clouds without water. Clouds, no water. Like London weather is grey, but it will never rain. If you knew it and you understood it, the things you've been shouting out, shouting when the preacher comes, you are shouting the thing out. It's familiarity. Like I know, I know, I know. And perhaps that's why you're not bearing fruit. Because you've tapped yourself to, I know when you have no fruit for it. But if you know, there'll be fruits. Yes. And Adam knew his wife and they gave birth. Yes. Knowing the knowing the interaction, the deep intercourse between you and knowledge, that experience yields to fruits. It yields fruits. If you know, there'll be fruits. There's a knowing that yields to fruits. Not your handshake meeting. You've met someone through a handshake. You say you know. You don't know narrow. Mm. So sleeping, and then that one, I just added it. And then the next one is <laughs> not buying or listening to messages. And then not buying and reading books written by your man of God. And then discussing the background of the man of God. Wow. 
Say somewhere discussing his age. What does age got to do with anything? They say, I'm, I'm even older than him. I'm older than him. Mm. Number seven. Discussing the family issues of the man of God. Eight. Fault finding and magnifying faults. Nine. Evaluating and rating men of God. Oh, this one I'll give him 10%. But what do you think about this one's preaching? I like this one's preaching. I'll give this one 80%. You're a joker. 10. 11. Not believing the man of God's advice. It's familiarity. I've advised several people who did the opposite. You understand opposite? I told them turn right, they turn left. That's opposite. It's not like they continued going. No, they turned left. Yes. No problem. But it's when someone feels they know you so well. So it's like, see, that, that's where they give room. Of course, you can be wrong. You're not always right. You're not perfect. You're not God. But that's why as you are talking, the person is thinking that, oh, yeah, 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 you're not right. You could be wrong. You could be wrong. You could be wrong. This brother is sleeping. Help him. He missed that point. He missed that point. That's why. He heard about yawning. He didn't hear about the sleeping. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. It's a conference. <laughs> Are you still here? You've traveled. So not believing in the man of God's advice is familiarity. The, pe- the same person who will say to you, I now pronounce you man and wife forever. And you believe thereafter that your husband and wife you are married. The same person will give you advice that you will question. And you say you are a man. That's why you are talking that way. When did he become a man? Why didn't you ask him, are you sure? The day he pronounced, I pronounced you man and wife. Why didn't you say, are you sure? Are you sure of what you are saying? Eleven. Having no regard for the anointing. And 12, not honoring and appreciating your man of God. You will never suffer from familiarity. Father, I thank you and I bless you for this time and this session. Let your Holy Spirit guide us and water every word we have heard. And every revelation we've received. In Jesus' name, amen.